0: Is all creation
1: groaning? It is. Is a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? It is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the lamb who died to ransom the slave. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor? Spirit move among us? He does. And does Jesus our Messiah hold forever those He loves? He does. Does our God
2: Lord be with you. with you. On this night we remember that the Lord is with us, but on this night particularly we remember that the Lord was for us, that the Lord was for us upon the cross, and that the carpenter's hands were nailed to the cross. The King of Kings was crowned with thorns. A purple robe was thrust upon him in mockery. Today he sets us free with himself imprisoned upon a tree. Today is Good Friday when we remember the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we come today in remembrance. And we come today in prayer. I invite you, if able to uh, see well, to join me in the words of the opening prayer as printed in your bulletin. Jesus, we enter your presence in awe and adoration. On this day, centuries ago, you could have saved your life, but you refused to betray the purpose for which you had been born. You came into the world to love God and neighbor as yourself. And when that love required you to shoulder a cross, You summoned the strength to bear it. Today, O Christ, as we sing and pray about the cross, teach us its meaning once again. Help us to take up our cross and follow you. Amen. As we do survey the wondrous cross, I invite you to open your hymn books to number 158. When I survey the wondrous cross, you may remain seated as we sing.
0: Also, would you please join in the, uh, oh, the wonderful cross refrain between verses 2 and 3 and 3 and 4.
1: it, Lord. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast. Say
3: friends we've gathered here today to remember the word of the lord the stories of the final days our savior spent on this earth we'll do so um even though it's available in all of the gospels this evening by looking at the gospel of luke Recorded in your bulletin are the passages that Pastor Stephen, Nathan, and Jed will lead us in. You are welcome to follow along in your Bible if you prefer to do so. Otherwise, I invite you to sit and listen to the words as you hear them. If you do follow along in your Bible, I'd like to point out to you that there is a section in Luke 22 that we're skipping. Um, So just go ahead and follow along here when you hear breaks in between voices, and that will help you to know um, what passage we're referring to. So let's come and hear the word of the Lord.
4: Now the festival of unleavened bread, called the Passover, was approaching, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve, and Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present."
2: Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. Upon reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will So that you will not fall into temptation.
0: While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And when Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, No more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. And then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is the hour when darkness reigns.
4: Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I do not know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly.
2: The men who were guarding Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and demanded, Prophesy! Who hit you? And they said many other things to insult him. At daybreak, the council of the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the teachers of the law, met together and Jesus was led before them. If you are the Messiah, they said, Tell us. Jesus answered, If I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I asked you, you would not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of Almighty God. They asked, Are you then the Son of God? He replied, You say that I am. Then they said, "'Why do we need any more testimony? We have heard it from his own lips.'"
0: And then the whole assembly rose and led him to Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, "'We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, a king.'" So Pilate asked Jesus, "'Are you the king of the Jews?' "'You've said so,' Jesus replied." And then Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted, he stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus,
4: he was greatly pleased, because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there, vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies.
2: Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who is inciting the people to rebellion, and I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore I will punish him and then release him. But the whole crowd shouted, Away with this man! Release Barabbas to us! Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again. But they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time, he spoke to them. Why? Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified. And their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and he surrendered Jesus to their will. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, And put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, fall upon us, and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry?
0: Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed, When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others, let him save himself, as he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One.
4: Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise.
3: Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Friends, would you pray with me? God, this evening we gather to watch these things, to intentionally remember the physical, emotional, and mental torment you endured to save all of creation, to reorient ourselves to your amazing grace, and to be inspired to live humble lives in service to others. Thank you for your selfless love, which took on so much for us. Amen. We know Easter is coming. We know that in three days, Jesus will rise again from the dead and appear to his followers before ascending into heaven. But they didn't know that. Jesus' family didn't know. His friends didn't know. His followers didn't know. The government didn't know. And I imagine they all watched the events of his trial, torture, crucifixion, and death from differing points of view. His family and friends were heartbroken as they witnessed their loved one being brutally murdered. Perhaps they were angry at Jesus for taking this kingdom thing too far, for getting himself killed for radical religious beliefs. His followers were terrified. What would happen to them in an effort to keep the people under control? Would the government seek them out too? Would they be welcomed again into the synagogue to worship? Perhaps they felt defeated and uncertain. Their leader was dead. The Roman government and religious elite were relieved. This rebel rouser wouldn't bother them anymore, so on to the next. Perhaps some wondered if Jesus' death was warranted, but oh well, it was finished. As we remember Jesus' final days, what is your perspective? What is your reaction To the cross, where is your heart this week? This Easter Sunday, if you're with us, we'll sing praises and rejoice in the victory of what happens next. But that that moment—that moment—cannot happen until the reality of this sinks in. I imagine that Jesus' family and followers spent the next three days puzzling over the things Jesus said, piecing together anything. That would give them a hint of what to do. We know from the Gospels that the disciples struggled to understand Jesus' teachings, as we still do today, but now there was an immense pressure on them to figure it out. They were out of time. This was not some parable, it was real. It was finished. Jesus said so himself. So now what? The hopelessness, terror, doubt, and grief must have been overwhelming. While you and I were not the disciples, were not with the disciples 2,000 years ago, perhaps you know what that crippling hopelessness, terror, doubt, or grief can feel like when something completely unexpected and equally horrifying turns your life upside down and there isn't time to mourn because you have to do something. I imagine that Jesus, too, experienced this hopelessness in his final days on earth. He begged God, to take this cup away from him in the garden. But God did not do that. Jesus knew the reputation of the Roman government. He knew that his death would be excruciatingly violent. To serve as an example of what happened to those who messed with the system, to those who questioned the status quo, Jesus knew his crucifixion would be ruthless. So all his followers would see his lifeless, broken body and be tempted into submission just to survive. Psalm 22, which Jesus quotes on the cross, is often used to imagine what was going on in his mind and spirit in those final moments. So here are some selections from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. I am a worm, not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They, they pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But interwoven, into this heart-wrenching psalm are words of hope and assurance. It says, "You are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises, and you, our ancestors, put their trust, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved, and you they trusted and were not put to shame. I will declare your name to my people and the assembly. I will praise you, you who fear the Lord. Praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. "'May your hearts live forever. "'Future generations will be told about the Lord. "'They will proclaim his righteousness, "'declaring to a people yet unborn, "'He has done it.'" Once again, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I was a student at Calvin College, I worked as a religion tutor. I was a religion major, obviously, Uh, helping students pass their required religion courses. Once I worked with a sophomore who was struggling in her class on Paul's letters. She was not religious and very unfamiliar with scripture, so as you can imagine, it was difficult to launch into New Testament letters when she didn't know the story. After a few tutoring sessions together, she asked, I need to pass this class, so can you just tell me the story of the Bible? I looked at my watch, we had about 20 minutes left, but we spent the next several hours going through the entire Bible. We started with the very beginning, we went through Revelation, and I did my best to give her the foundation of the stories I had come to love. She stopped me every once in a while, but for the most part, she just sat and listened. I drew pictures on the whiteboard, I acted things out, I wrote outlines. I read specific texts with her. It took a long time. We especially discussed Jesus' character and Paul's response because that was the thesis of her upcoming paper. Finally, I said, okay, my throat hurts. Does that help? She paused for several moments and said, if that story is true, if someone rose from the dead, why aren't Christians more excited? It must not be true. Her name was Angel. I still have a lot to learn from those words. I remember Angel when I I read the book, Practicing Passion, Youth and the Quest for a Passionate Church. In it, the author, Kendra Creasy-Dean, explores why youth like Angel sometimes question the church or Christianity or religion in general. She discovered that if the church is to speak meaningfully to youth and in turn to reap the many benefits that young people have to offer, then its ministry must be rooted in passion. She writes this, Passionless Christians lead sensible lives. We are benignly nice instead of dangerously loving. We become a race of amputees cutting off passion in order to fit in with all the other limbless Christians who are incapable of reaching out. Every now and then we feel a phantom pain, an impulse towards suffering love. But for the most part, we have learned to live without the capacity to extend ourselves. On this Good Friday, as we anticipate the victory of the resurrection, I invite you to learn something from Angel. Are you passionate about what you believe? What patterns in your life are evidence of that passion? What patterns in your life are rich with opportunities to believe the good news of the gospel? If you recognize a lack of passion, as I'm sure many of us will, Ask yourself, why is that? At this time, we're going to move into a congregational response that recognizes how deeply our Savior understands that hopelessness, the hopelessness that he experienced, and our passion. In your pews near the center aisle are pieces of paper. I invite you to take a piece and pass it out amongst yourselves. Hopefully there's enough You can share if there's not enough. Take a piece of paper and write a brief prayer to God about where you are right now as you watch these things, as you remember what happened here. If you come this evening needing saving from a relationship, from sickness, from addiction, from stress or anxiety, I invite you to pray and to write that God would bring you out of that situation as you come to the cross on Easter Sunday. If you come tonight needing relief from bad news, from a taxing job, from an intense situation at home, from a sin you keep returning to, I invite you to pray and to write that God would fill you with endurance and peace. If you come feeling stuck, if you are trapped in habitual disobedience, or if you feel void of passion in your walk with God, I invite you to be honest about that, to write that down, and to seek God's direction. If you don't know what to pray or what to write, just write that God would prepare your heart for Easter Sunday. As I tell our middle and high school students, when we do activities like this, even if you don't have anything to write, write something anyway, so that those who wish to remain anonymous can truly do so. If you have children with you, you can ask them to write a thank you prayer or draw a thank you picture to Jesus for dying on the cross. While we take a few minutes to write our prayers, Jed is going to play a song called The Reward. The lyrics are on the back of your bulletin and you're invited to follow along if you wish to do so. After you've had a few moments to write, Pastor Stephen and Nathan will gather your slips of paper in the same way that we collect offering on Sunday morning so you can remain where you are and they will lay those prayers at the foot of the cross. Uh, If you would like us to pray for you, include your name on the piece of paper so Pastor Stephen or myself will see it, and we will pray for you. You'll see the offering plate, but you don't have to put money in there. It's just for the prayers. Would you pray with me as we engage this together? God, I ask that you would teach us to mourn. Don't let us rush to Easter Sunday too quickly. Give us grace to linger here in the place where sorrow meets redemption. Make your death as real to us as your resurrection. As we wait at the foot of the cross, God, reveal again the costliness of our sin. Don't let us live in an imaginary world where Easter's happy ending makes our selfishness irrelevant. Remind us that your all consuming grace. Came at the highest price. Fill us with the joy and sorrow and reverence and gratitude that befit a Good Friday funeral. Joy for your victory, sorrow for your death, reverence for your holiness, gratitude for your grace. Give us hearts big enough to hold that tension. Jesus, you tell us to take up our cross daily and follow you. Today, more than ever, we remember what a weighty invitation that is. God, you died for us. And it is only by dying that we can follow in your footsteps. Give us clarity, give us peace, give us grace. In your name we pray, amen. You can write down those prayers at this time.
1: In a garden we fell, but in a garden he prayed, not my will, but yours be done. My sin he became, so I could be like him to go beyond the veil and see his face the cross has made a way so we can enter in to go back to the Once again, cross has made a way, forever I will say, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. see his face the cross has made a way so we can enter in to go back to the garden once again the cross has made forever I will say To receive the reward of His Son.
2: with our sins laid at the foot of the cross. Hear these words from Psalm 51. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, and take not your holy spirit from me. As we come We lay our burdens at the foot of the cross. We give thanks for the light of the world that came into the darkness, even as the darkness encroaches upon the light. Create in me a pure heart, O God, not of my own merit, but by what you have done for us. Allow me to live free of transgression, Not of my own power, but in response, in a response of gratitude for what you have done for us. As far as the East is from the West. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. Yet this came at a cost. This came with a price. And on this Good Friday, as we call it, we remember and we give painful thanks for the price that was paid upon the cross. Will you join me in the words of the closing prayer as printed in your bulletin? Thank you, loving God, for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, into the world. We belong to you, in body and soul, in life and in death. You bore our sin, carried our sorrow, and suffered the punishment due to us, that we might stand forgiven at the cross. We are forever grateful for this amazing act of love and grace. May we be inspired to lay down our lives for others as you gave your life for us. In your holy name, amen. In just a moment, we'll close with words from a benediction, one specific for Good Friday. Then the final candle will remain but the lights will go out as a visual reminder just as we heard in the gospel of luke that the sun ceased to shine when our lord was crucified upon the cross I invite you to observe the darkness to feel it to embrace it To remember childhood days when you were afraid of the dark, to feel that again, but to be reminded that the light of the world has come into the world. The darkness will remain for a moment, and when the lights come back on, we invite you at that point to know that you are dismissed, but given the service that it is today, we invite you to remain seated in silence and prayer as long as you wish to remain, And so as a gesture of hospitality to those around you, when the lights do come back on, we invite you to leave the sanctuary in silence to give time and space to those who wish to remain in prayer. Hear these words of benediction. May you find in the cross a sure ground for the faith, a firm support for your hope and the assurance of sins forgiven. And may the blessing of God go with you, even on this, the darkest of nights. Amen.